Hi, I'm Selena Gorit at uh, Women Heart. Uh, I'm the CEO there. And Femtech to me is putting tools in the hands of women to empower them to take control of their lives. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto. Before we kick off today's episode, I want to tell you about our upcoming summit on March 22nd. Get your tickets for this amazing conference all about women's health and wellness innovation. You can get your tickets at femtechsummit.com. We have an awesome lineup of speakers such as Trish Costello from Portfolia. We got Jesse Draper from Hologen Ventures. We have one-on-one office hours with mentors and investors. We even have a reverse pitch competition where femtech investors pitch to founders about the types of deals they're looking for. Get your ticket today, femtechsummit.com. KFEM fans, today's episode features my interview with Selena Gore, CEO of Women Heart. Women Heart's mission is to improve the health and quality of life of women living with or at risk of heart disease and to advocate for their benefit. Women Heart, the National Coalition for Women with Heart Disease, was founded in 1999 by three women who had heart attacks while in their 40s and faced many obstacles, including misdiagnosis, inadequate treatment, and social isolation. These women did not know each other at the time of their heart attacks, but they each shared a common experience about how little information and services were available for women with heart disease. To them, the issue seemed invisible within the women's health care community, even though heart disease is the number one killer of women in the United States. Women Heart has developed many programs, including a national network of patient support groups across the country. They've also trained more than 900 women heart disease survivors as community educators via the Heart Health Science and Leadership Symposium in collaboration with Mayo Clinic. This episode is packed with shocking facts, so get ready and definitely share it with your community and with your friends. Enjoy. Hey, Selena, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Nice to see you. Yes, it is great to connect with you. Where are you calling in from? Uh, I'm based right here in Washington, D.C., so where where it's all happening right now. Oh, my gosh. Yes, <laughs> there's a lot of action happening right there. Yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. Wow. Well, I am so glad that we were able to get some of your time today to talk about, you know, what you've worked on, what you're currently working on. Um, heart disease is something that I very often put as uh, a defining point for femtech because people are always asking me, how do you define femtech? And I say solely affect women like periods. Uh, yeah. Differently yeah. affect women or disproportionately in heart disease. I always put in those categories, right? Yes. Yeah. So I'm really excited to have you on. Is what That's I'm so great. Yeah. Before we get into the heart stuff, 
tell us about you. Our listeners love to hear where our guests are from. What did you study? What career did you have before this? And, and you know, how did you end up here? Yeah. Um, well, again, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really honored um, by, you know, having this conversation. So my journey started in the Philippines. I was born in the Philippines. And then with my family, we moved to LA when I was six. Um, and you know, just got really enamored with health and um, studied um, epidemiology. And then kind of, it, it started actually in my career in sexual health education. Um, and at the time it was around the HIV, early days of the HIV epidemic. Um, and for our listeners, cause we even have yeah. that listen, we have all these different types of people that listen. Epidemiology is the study of disease, right? Is that true? That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Disease and disease trends over time. Got it. Um, study of epidemics, really. That's where the word, that's sort of the associated word. Yep. Yep. So um, sexual wellness and then HIV now. I'm yeah. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. And the other kind of half of my career has been in corporate responsibility. So I sort of interwoven global health, sexual health, um, corporate responsibility. And I spent some time in um, Africa working for the UN. Um, and just before moving here to DC, I was um, living in London for eight years running uh, a global alliance for chronic diseases. So I've, I've had my share of, of travels and experiences and- uh, a Worldly woman. And uh, now I'm at Women Heart, and it's it's been um, it's been a really great um, great next step for me. So I'm happy to well, be Selena, here. Any chance you have any contacts in Antarctica? Because it's the only continent we don't have listeners in yet, and I am just determined to have <laughs> listeners on I, our continent. I, I I bet I bet we can I bet we can wrangle up someone. I, okay, I, well, let's 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 work on that, Brittany. Let's work on that. I actually just saw, I don't know if you're on Clubhouse yet. I just got on this week and there's a, there's an event coming up this weekend. That's like, um, women in STEM in Antarctica. And I was like, I'm attending that. Oh my gosh, there it is. Yeah. I can't believe there's more than like two people in that group, but that's awesome if there is. (laughs) So tell us about Women Heart. What is that? Um, so Women Heart is, um, an organization that was founded gosh, 22 years ago now by three women who were actually really angry with their experience <laughs> of having been misdiagnosed. Yeah. Um, and that, that really is the story of not just heart disease, but women's health in general. Oh yeah. This idea of misdiagnosis, delayed diagnosis, not being believed, being told it's nothing. That, that I think is, is, a, is an important summary to why there needs to be something called Women Heart or why they ne- there needs to be a specialized field of femtech. Right. It's because of that. Um, right. And so Women Heart has, for the last 21 years, has focused on the intersection of women's health and heart disease and has really grown up um, to be an organization determined to make sure that no woman travels her heart journey alone. That's sort of really the, the all-encompassing um, idea that's been the driver, the driving force behind Women Heart. Wow. Wow. I already have so many questions. Um, <laughs> I have so many questions. So let's, um, you know, can you give us, uh, you know, why would a woman need somebody's help through this journey? Um, yeah. 
what are, when we say heart disease, what are we talking about? Yeah. You know, like yeah. talking fundamentals of, you know, how is this even different from men's hearts, women's hearts, all that. Uh, yeah. No, it's, it's pick where we want to start. because well, Let me, let me, let me start with us as an organization and then okay. we can back into a couple of, of the points that you, you just brought up. So um, the way, the, the how of it, the, the how we do our work is um, every year we train up um, a group of women who themselves have begun their heart journey. Um, and so they are either dealing with heart failure themselves or they've got an elevated blood pressure or they've had a heart attack and survived. You know, they could, or they may have um, congestive heart failure. They could have any one of those or even more, you know, different diagnoses. They come to Women Heart and I'll tell you the number one reason they do it and they tell me this is, I want to make sure that no woman goes through this, goes through what I've been through. Yeah. Okay. So what they, what we do with them is we, um, well, pre pre COVID, we would send them to the Mayo clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and they would get a full training on the, the ins and outs of heart disease, um, their own heart disease, but also just the, the, the more, um, the broader topic of heart disease. And they get to do really great things like, um, pick up and touch and feel the medical devices that might be implanted in their heart. Whoa. They get to talk to cardiologists who obviously work in this field. Um, but I think the, the biggest prize or the, the, the biggest value of that training is that they get to talk to each other. And then they get to see that what may have felt like a very lonely experience for them back home is actually a shared experience. Um, and so that, that, really drives them to then go back home to make sure that other women are not going through that alone. Um, and so, so that's sort of the how of it. And I think, you know, the why of it is, as, as you mentioned, you know, there is, there is a difference between um, the way men experience heart disease and the way women experience heart disease. And because the majority of research on heart disease has been done on men and on particular middle-aged white men, yeah. That's what we what we have come to know as sort of conventional wisdom about, let's say, heart attack symptoms are based on the experience of middle aged white men. Wow. But women's heart heart attack symptoms are different. Can so as a constant, sure, yeah. So I mean, the the you know what we tend to hear the classic symptoms we might see on in movies or you know in television or somebody has chest pain, you know, they have shooting pain down the left side. Yeah, it's sort of this, you know, and then they're stumbling around and then, you know, they might become unconscious. Um, I'm not saying that doesn't happen. I'm not saying that never happens. But the, the prevailing, excuse me, the prevailing um, symptoms for women are things like, you know, maybe maybe one day not not being able to walk up the same flight of stairs that they were able to walk up yesterday. Mm. You know, it's, it's like a severe level of, of fatigue that is just not normal. But the problem with that, as you can imagine, is that sometimes we're just tired. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes life just tires us out. So of course we're not going to think, Oh, that was my, that, I just had a heart attack. Yeah. And we're women are not necessarily supported in complaining about how tired they are. Correctly. Exactly. <laughs> right. No, exactly. Yeah. And so we, and, and we, we ourselves only reinforce that. Yeah. Right. Cause we tell ourselves, 
oh, I can't, you know, I can't deal with that right now. I don't have time to deal with that right now. Right. I mean, I cannot tell you how many stories I've had from, from our champions, the, the women who we train, who say, um, the only reason I went is because my husband said, oh, you should really go check, get that checked out. Yeah. You know, it's somebody else having to tell us because yeah. women tend to, again, put themselves last compared to, you know, taking care of their husbands or their um, children or other people around them. Um, and so I think, you know, so we have to get our, sometimes we have to get our, out of our own way in order to put ourselves sort of front and center. Yeah. And I think, I think the bias against women um, being believed in, in, in heart disease in particular is that that misunderstanding about what conventional um, heart attack symptoms look like is also runs deep into the healthcare system as well. So doctors don't even know that that extreme fatigue is a symptom of a heart attack. It, it is. It is because it is it, because it's sort of a generalized symptom. They're gonna. It could. They could investigate a whole host of other um, um, conditions. Yeah. Right. They're not gonna automatically go. Oh, that's that's a heart attack. Yeah. We need to we need to look at that and investigate that. Wow. So. You know, if I think about heart disease in like three stages, it's the like, um, uh, you know, prevention and mm-hmm. then the, the actual disease happening mm-hmm. and then the mm-hmm. treatment for it. So mm-hmm. we're talking right now, we're kind of talking about specifically heart attacks, like when it's happening, the symptoms yeah. for men yeah. and women are different. Yeah. yeah. You don't know that. Yeah. yeah. Symptoms for women are usually the same symptoms that we say we don't deserve to even complain about. Correct. <laughs> so like Exactly right. Um, what are other... Um, uh, well, actually let's just stick with heart attack. Cause I okay. heart disease being very similar to cancer where it's like, well, pancreatic versus breast versus Correct. all different. So correct. correct. All right. So yeah. let's look at the heart attack, like, um, storyline. So yeah. we talked about the symptoms being different. Yeah. I heard that, you know, to prevent, um, heart attacks or heart disease, you should take baby aspirin every day. And then I heard that that study was done on only men. So can we talk about the prevention? Is that true? Sure. Yeah. So I think what's really important to, to note about, about prevention is sort of what are the precursors, right? So what, what are the other, what are the risk factors? And, and really from a clinical standpoint, the number one risk factor is high blood pressure, okay. right? So, it, so that is a way for us. That's a really important way for us to be able to gauge how, likely it is that we're going to develop heart heart disease and that's true for men and women that's not that's that's not different but the challenge is that what what brings us there what gets us to sort of having elevated blood pressure is stress so so that you know and again it goes back to what you were saying like we as women are conditioned to not complain about the load that we're carrying Uh so that manifests itself in a physical way um even though you know one of the probably the most important ways you can prevent heart heart disease to you know by lowering your blood pressure is to manage stress which means importantly and i've heard many women with heart disease or you know surviving heart attacks have told me your number one most important tool um, in preventing heart disease is the word no and that's a really Whoa. really difficult thing for us as women um, but I want to I want to get to the heart of that because I think I think we can talk about a lot of other things like lower your you know your salt intake. We can talk about exercise. We can talk about you know that kind of. But 
But I want to take, I want us to really delve deeply into the psychology of this because right. for me, that's where, that's where, that's why Women Heart is so effective. And that's where I think we get our, our best bang for our buck in terms of talking about lifelong prevention strategies. Yep. Because what I hear you saying is that societal gender expectations are literally killing us. Yes. <laughs> is like, yes. If we cut to the yes. conclusion. Correct. Correct. That's, 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 that's the headline, right? Like yeah. that is, that is the, that's like above the fold headline. Um, that's it. That's, yeah. Wow. And so, you know, and when we are talking about stress, you know, I can think of, I know this, there's the statistics about women are the, are the majority caregivers, not only for children, but of their own parents. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's stressful. You're taking care of two sets of children, depending on how your, how your parents are doing. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what other forms of stress um, are these women saying, if I say no to this, I'm, you know, improving my heart health. What other kinds of stresses are we talking about? Well, I mean, I, so, so there is the caregiving, but there's also just the, you know, the oftentimes you are working in your, your day job and then you, you have to come home and you're working at home, yeah. right? You, like we have the burden of, you know, cleaning and cooking and, and doing sort of the, 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 let's just call them traditional roles that, that women have to take on. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say that that's not changing because it is changing. Um, You know, so it's not, it's not, you know, it's, it's definitely something that's, that's improved over time. But I think, you know, I'm talking to women now. I think we do it to ourselves too. I mean, yes, there are societal expectations, but we also, you know, have these different mantras like, you know, we can do it all. And, you know, all of that stuff. And, and there's sort of this, this premium, or this aspiration, right, of being a superwoman. Yeah. Um, rather than a woman who knows her body intimately mm. and can and understands what um, allows it to thrive and understands what is pushing it over, you know, over um, over some limits. Are there symptoms of high blood pressure that a woman could feel but is maybe not recognizing? Or the, a woman the, the number one symptom of high blood pressure is no symptoms. And that's the problem. Oh God. That's the problem. Okay. We, um, you know, more often than not, you could have an elevated blood pressure and not know you have it. So it's really one of those things where, and this is what I encourage any woman to do or any, any family, any household to have at home is a blood pressure cuff. Okay. I, and, and that, you know, in the same way that, you know, you might exercise three times a week, I would say, you know, you should be checking your blood pressure once a week mm-hmm. and, and no, you know, not only is that good for you to understand sort of what your, what your blood pressure is, but to know what's normal for you, because that might look different. You know, we've got sort of the standard idea for what blood pressure is normal. Um, but that's going to look different from person to person. So you, the only way you're going to know what your normal is is to do that over time. Any chance that the standardized what normal blood pressure is is based on a white man? It is. It's interesting that you say that because uh, over the last sort of five years, the definition of what normal is, even what elevated is, and then what it, what they call prehypertensive and then hypertensive, those have shifted okay. down. So what we thought was elevated um, is, 
your your L now what we call elevated was not considered elevated before. Um, so so yeah, that that those are shifting over time, and I and I would I'm gonna. I'm going to venture to say that it's because we are getting better data from a more diverse set of, of subjects in studies yeah. and clinical trials. Yeah, definitely. Um, what's the prevalence of high blood pressure in women? That's a really good question. So um, what we what we tend to say is that there are 48 million women in the U.S. that are at risk for heart disease. So in other words, there are 40, 48 million women who have a hot, you know, basically suffer from hypertension wow. and that's diagnosed. Yeah. Okay. Diagnosed. So there's going to be many, many more who are going to suffer from it um, or are prehypertensive or are on their way to having hypertension. Mm-hmm. Um, and I use those terms inter- interchangeably, high blood pressure and hypertension. They, they, they are the same thing. And, um, <laughs> is there awareness about this? Like, are we talking about it enough? Are we talking about it enough in the right way for women? Cause like you were saying, um, the woman's heart attack symptoms are different. So are like, yeah. how are we getting that word out? Is anybody doing that? Well, it's a really great question. And, um, you know, just to say, I, because I realized I haven't said this yet, heart disease is the number one killer of women. Oh, not, not just in this country, but around the world. It's the number one killer of people. So it, okay. it's, it's also the number one killer of men. Um, and despite, you know, the increase in awareness over the last several decades, um, we still only see about a little bit over half, about 50, 56% of women who even recognize heart disease to be the number one killer. This is, this is what I call the, the, the effect of the success of the breast cancer kind of community because every time you ask somebody what they think the normal killer is, I tend to get the answer that it's breast cancer. cancer. And so, and so, you know, so the prevalence of breast, it's, it's an interesting, to me, it's an interesting flip. So um, breast cancer um, kills about one in 30 women. Okay. Um, and yet uh, compared to heart disease and, and yet the, um, the amount of research dollars that goes into breast cancer is 30 times higher than what goes into women's heart disease. All right. So it's a real, it's a real big, it, it's, it's a, they have just done a supremely incredible job in terms of uh, marketing and campaigning, you know, getting the pink ribbon out, um, you know, d- d- just an incredible job. And so, um, and that, and that has a lot to do with the fact that it's sex specific and, um, you know, that, that, you know, obviously it's, it's going to be something that happens in, in women a lot more than in men. Wow. Okay. So, um, are women, you know, the number one killer of, you know, women is heart disease. Yeah. Part of that contribution of death mm-hmm. mortality because of a um, like misdiagnosis or lack of treatment options. So do you think yeah. it could maybe be number two if we actually had women specific heart health care, you know, or what do you think about that? So I, I, I don't want to get this wrong. So I'm going to, um, I did a little bit of, of you know, research um, just to make sure. And um, I'm going to quote this from uh, a study that I was reading about. And it says, a main cause of heart attack misdiagnosis is the fact that male heart attacks are seen as the standard. So that tells you everything you need to know right there. Yeah. And so because, at, you know, our benchmarks, are um, 
that that we then use to generalize to the population, mm -hmm. right, have really been um, garnered from research done on men. Mm -hmm. We are being misled into thinking that heart disease looks one way, when in fact it looks, you know, a multitude of ways depending on who you have in front of you. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, only because I'm the host of the show did I know the symptoms are different. That is the only yeah. <laughs> that you know because yeah. the show told me one time you know it, it is it is maddening too I mean you know I one of my most um one of the most terrifying stories I heard was this woman who um had given birth to her her baby and she was in the hospital and in the middle of of her kind of recovery um she was having a heart attack and not just a heart attack but she was having um uh a SCAD, which is um, an arter ar arterial dissection, which means basically like it was, it's like a huge, basically her, her, her artery was tearing. Oh so my this is massive. God. So she's having this heart attack in the hospital and they sent her home because they said, it's just, you're just having a panic attack. That like that to me, that is instructive. That tells you so much about what is happening in the context of our medical system, that they they miss they mistook a heart a massive heart attack for a panic attack, hysteria. Yeah, and and that you know again the history of women in healthcare, right? It, it sort of plays into this as well in terms of what is believed and what is not believed and what is assumed just to be in, in your quote unquote in your head. Um, it's, it's a powerful, powerful, um, lens to see a lot of this. So, and my listeners, my mouth has been open for the last 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> there was any bugs in my room right now. <laughs> like I am just so shocked. It's like, yeah. uh, it's, it's insane. And I think it's, um, particularly flavorful that you mentioned it's a woman who had just given birth because, um, women who have just given birth, like, the doctors are like, yeah, I had to sew up your vagina, but like, whatever, that's normal. And it's yeah. like, yeah, oh, deserve so yeah. Much to that. yeah, like they get home and their breasts are clogged or, and it's so painful and they have this new baby and they're bleeding that's and right. the doctors are like, well, that's what it is. That's birth. That's right. that's, you know? Suck it up. Yeah. 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 Oh. Well, and I, as, as an aside, I don't want to get too far off track, but as an aside, I think what's also really important um, is that, you know, heart disease is something that a lot of doctors who are not cardiologists put, push to the side. And let me tell you what I mean by that. A lot of heart disease is, is pre, um, precipitated by um, pregnancy. So preeclampsia is the condition of elevated blood pressure as a res direct result of being pregnant. Got it. Um, but because you know, your, your, obst your obstetrician is focused on, you know, you having a healthy baby, they may, I mean, they may treat your preeclampsia, but they're just like, let's get this baby. Let's get, you know, let's get this task done, right? Let's yeah. get you, yeah. let's get you to deliver a healthy baby. And oftentimes the women are left with um, hypertension that they have to deal with for the rest of their life that that was precipitated you know in 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 pregnancy and it could it, have been prevented if someone had treated during exactly it, I mean you know if if there was something if there was a lot more done to treat it in the moment then the longer last the, the 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 tail of hypertension you know post delivery could have been mit mitigated 
I mean, another great example of this is um, uh, cancer treatment. Mm-hmm. There, it, uh, there, there has been a lot of, it's, it's an increasing body of work and a new body of work called cardio-oncology. And that is cardi- cardiovascular um, conditions that result from chemotherapy and other cancer um, treatments. And so, of course, we, I mean, you could sort of understand that to say, well, of course, the oncologist is just there to make sure you, they get rid of the cancer. Yeah. They don't, it's almost like they don't care what happens after because they're just wanting to keep you alive. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, that drive and the fact that, you know, the, the, to me, it's a reflection of how chopped up and siloed our healthcare system is mm-hmm. that they, it's almost like the cardiologist will deal with that later. I just need to make sure I get rid of this cancer. You know, so it, that that to me is also another driver. The way our healthcare system is set up is another driver for why the the there is such um, high levels of heart heart disease in our country. I mean, I could say so many things about. Uh, we talk a lot at femtech focus about um, we have cures for certain things, but then there are ten side effects that change your life forever. And everyone Correct. says, "But aren't you happy you're alive?" And right. it's like. There comes yeah. a point where no, no, I'm not like, yeah. this is a yeah. daily reprieve that I have to take care of now. Right. That's right. So, That's right. Yeah. Um, what about uh, differences in um, heart disease amongst women of different races? Is there um, different rates? Yeah, it's a great, great question. And we certainly see elevated levels of heart disease um, and hypertension and prehypertension in communities of color, and in particular in African American communities. Okay. Um, now, you know, because it's not just genetic, although there is a genetic component, because it's not just lifestyle, although there is that, um, because stress, as I mentioned, is such a driver, then of course, if you're, you know, if you have, un, you know, an overabundance of burdens on you on a day to day basis. And, and as is true for a lot of communities of color, that is going to precipitate, right, the, the higher levels of heart disease in the community. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I'm very um, sensitive to not saying, well, that's genetic. Yeah. You know, just, just sort of chalk, you know, sort of um, chalking it up to, to genetics because it's also about what burdens do we carry? And not, not just what burdens do we carry, but what burdens have our ancestors carry, ancestors carry throughout time. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a really important facet of, um, of the way we, we um, look at disparities. Before we started the interview, you know, you and I were talking about what are some of the good things that happened because of COVID. Yeah. I think a door that was finally cracked open to people outside of epidemiology, outside mm-hmm. of public health. I have a minor in public health. Okay. The epidemiologist. I I love this stuff. Mm. Right. Um, Microbes are the coolest things ever. (laughs) I love bacteria. Um, (laughs) But it finally, COVID, I think, cracked open a door to let other people in to see oh my God, wait a minute. More Black Americans are dying from COVID than white ones, but it's the same virus. How is that even possible? You know? Yeah. Yeah. The scientists yeah. and the doctors have been trying to tell everyone it's not just because they're black that they have right. heart disease or this right. or that. It's like That's because right. they're literal, their access to healthcare, their living conditions, the way they live their lives, their the the jobs that they have, their exposure. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Like, oh, exactly. I'll tell you, a maddening, a mad, just 
you know, something that's made me so angry is seeing a map of Washington, D.C., where I live. And, and we're, we're broken down into wards in Washington, D.C. And there's a map of the prevalence of COVID, okay? Different wards. And it's, it's predictable because it's the wards where the, the, um, the levels of poverty are higher. That's where more COVID is. But then you superimpose on that the wards where there is highest um, uptake of vaccine. Uh-huh. And you better believe it's the opposite. Yeah. And that just, I cannot, I cannot even begin to express how that makes me mad. What, what are, you know, what, what are we doing as a society here? Right. Like this, this is just, the, the, there is an injustice here. There, that's part, you know, that's part of, and that's what women, to go back to women heart, that's what women heart is here about and for. Um, I check in on a regular basis with Nancy Levin, who's one of the founders of the organization. And she reminds me, and I ask her to remind me every time I talk to her, that Women Heart is fundamentally a feminist organization. Mm-hmm. This is a just. This is a question of justice. Yes. This is not just. Oh, this is you know not like fun and games and oh, wouldn't it be nice to have a support group of women talking you know about how they deal with heart disease? This is a justice question, and this is an injustice yeah. that the way our health care system is set up would would lead to women not being believed. That, you know, there is something about that, that it is flat out wrong. It's wrong. Selena, we're going to be friends. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There are some days that I'm like, I'm not sure I can get out of bed and do this because it, you know, for me, Femtech Focus, I've definitely structured our our image and our company and our culture to not be angry because I feel I couldn't go on. If every day I made a company that was only angry, but the the coals under our fire are anger. That's right. What focus is like, we're about awareness and we're all like, oh, we're providing resources to the industry, but really our secret agenda is we're fighting for women's health equality. Absolutely. 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 And you know, I want to, I want to take inspiration from Amanda Gorman, right? The the young, beautiful young poet from the other day of the inauguration what I loved, what, what so crystallized for me when, when we were listening to her is that you could feel the embers and the coals under her. Yeah. You could feel, and yet she so masterfully channeled it. You know, she, she's got that gift, right, of knowing what to do with that energy. Yes. And, do, and using it for good and using it to inspire others mm-hmm. to say, keep going, keep, yeah. you know, keep going. There, there, you know, this is not, this is, this is not all for naught. Yes. Right. That there, there is, there is something that we, not only is it worth fighting for, but we can do this. We can do this. Oh my gosh. I love it. I wanted to ask you about, um, in terms of that, you know, the prevention, the, it happening, you know, treatment part of it. So thing I heard, (laughs) tell me if I'm right or wrong, but um, that most like heart disease drugs are still only usually tested on men, even though women, obviously have lots of heart disease. Yeah. Can we talk about this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's not just, so, so yes. So the short answer is yes. And one of the things that we have been doing, you know, one of the priorities for us ever since um, is to make sure there are more women and in particular women of color in clinical trials. Yes. Um, And, and, you know, the, the hub of that, the nut of that, that we have to crack, and this is, I think, especially true in, in, in communities of color, is this idea that there is just inherent mistrust in the re, in the research right. uh, 
institution, machinery. Um, And so I think it's not enough for us to say we want want more representation. I think we have to even question the way research is being conducted. Yeah. Um, And so you're right. You're right about that. Um, and, And it gets absurd to the point where I'll give you a really concrete example. A, a medical device company um, that makes, you know, things lo- that you have to, have to like insert into your heart, right? So you, you can't even see these things with a naked eye. You have to use a magnifying glass. Um, they realize that they can't use a, the certain medical device they made because it's too big for women's hearts. And they decided that there was no market are you are you are you getting as angry as that? There is no market to make a slightly smaller device. I, like, to, like, so this is this is not just this is not just about um, you know getting more women into research. This is, this is this is all about also understanding or the the the, the strange to me bias that is still perpetuated in places where these important decisions are being made, right? And so, and so that is, you know, when I heard that, I was thinking to myself, we, we have, so, you know, we, this is 2021 and yet we still have so far to go. I, I'm, okay, now I'm, I'm cycling through all of my emotions of grief. Now I'm at, <laughs> uh, and you know, it's astonishing to me to one that they got that far in the process that they got to human heart, by the way, anyone listening, if you don't know the process of creating a med device, actually being put in a human heart and figuring out what size it is, is years into it. Mm-hmm. Millions mm-hmm. of dollars. That's right. And they got all the way to yeah. that part and they Absolutely. had never asked themselves or tried to put it into a female modeled heart. Okay. So let's, okay. So that's the first thing I think about. Yeah. And and then the second thing is that women's hearts are niche, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's this idea that femtech founders Mm -hmm. continuously bump into that Mm -hmm. we are trying to shift, Mm -hmm. you know, the paradigm Mm -hmm. on, but women and vaginas and Mm -hmm. uteruses and sexual, none of these are niche. We all, right. 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 1%. Actually, if we're talking about the Senate and voting, we actually have a little bit more. We're 51%. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Don't call us niche, right? Exactly. Exactly. And and somehow I think I think we romanticize this idea that women are mysteries. So there's all of these sort of, I think, you know, historical ideas out there floating around, you know, that that um that women are hysterical, right? Like that, that, that history, but also that like women are mysteries and, and, and that's sort of a, a nice thing, right? You know, like, like somehow we, like, we, we don't, we don't mind that it's a mystery as a society. I'm not talking about an individual, but you know, as a society, we think, oh, you know, women are mysteries. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting that everyone, not everyone, teenagers and mostly teenagers and adolescents will draw penises around, doodle out Mm -hmm. on their desk Mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But no one ever draws vulvas. Mm-hmm. It's this mysterious. 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 You know? <laughs> mysterious. Yeah. No one even knows how do yeah. you handle that, right? And, and and so the point where, unfortunately, what that means is it's mysterious for the girl that's herself. Yeah, you know? that's right. And, 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 oh, my God, my labias do this or that. Yeah. It must be weird. Yeah. And that's not what it looks yeah. like on the porn site. Exactly. So exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I was thinking of uh, actually 
consulted a, uh, a founder. He's actually a very lovely human. He's just mm. a really smart guy, wants to make impact. He had some heart troubles. So he wanted to make this like EKG, like on the go, you know, device that you just kind of place on yourself. It's yeah. Like a really great stethoscope. I, you know, again, love this guy. He's wonderful. He has great intentions. But as soon as he showed me the like idea, I said, well, what are you going to do about women's breasts? Because it was all yeah. about specific placement. And he was like, yeah. well, you know, um, I'm sure it, it can like hear through. And I'm like, you can't just no. assume no. breasts are very different. They're made up of different stuff, depending. They're different sizes. Different sizes. Exactly. You, exactly. They're even different sizes within themselves, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. they, your devices uh, requires specific placement based on the sternum that ain't going to work. Also, absolutely trying to target um, like sudden heart attacks and, and teenagers during sports and stuff. He's like, uh, every sports director should have this. And I said, as a person who lived a life as a 16 year old girl, I would have not wanted my male sports director putting no things on my chest no way. every day, you know? No and, and so he was like, these are great points. I didn't consider it. And it's, he, his daughter, he's like, he actually loves Femtech Focus. So if you're mm-hmm. listening, you're wonderful. But it was like, you know, there was like a lot of education to be like, hey, how about this half of the world, <laughs> you know? But I, but I think, but I think that that is so, you know, that conversation that you have with them is so instructive because I think that's how a lot of technology gets developed or that's how oh, a lot yeah. of products get developed. Yep. Yep, that's right. Wow. Well, I could literally talk to you forever. Um, <laughs> so much more to talk about, but um, let's talk about um, w- one. I want to ask you about your future goals for women health. Heart. Yeah. Yeah. Heart. So, what is yeah. your like? What's the overarching for me? My goal for femtech focus is I put myself out of business. Femtech mm-hmm. becomes health tech, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. probably going to take a long time. I'm probably going to be employed for a while now, right? Oh, wow. like, yeah. What yeah. women's heart ultimately? Yeah. So our obviously our, our long term goal is to is to um, is for women to have parity with men in terms of how their um, their heart disease symptoms are being addressed in the healthcare system. But in the more sort of immediate term, um, what 2020 did for us was really um, put us on the fast track to a to a um, technological revolution in terms of how we deliver our support to women. And so we developed an app. And so, you know, this, this year is really about, you know, the, the further expansion of, of these technological platforms that we've developed in 2020. Um, we want to make a much more concerted effort um, in, in many of the things we talked about today, but in particular around health disparities, mm-hmm. um, to have women hearts community reflect women across the US, mm-hmm. to have that population be mirrored in, in the community that, that we are serving. Um, and then in the sort of in the more medium to long term, um, we um, we're going for global domination. No, we, we, but we, but we do think, we do think that there is a need um, for what we do beyond the borders of the U.S. Yes. Um, we just want to make sure that we get it right here so that when, when we roll out um, to, to, you know, beyond these borders, we do it in a way that is sustainable and um, has, you know, a higher chance of success. Absolutely. Um, the investor in me is coming up a little bit. I want to ask you really quickly about, yeah. I heard somebody said, um, the like most wealthy person is going to be the one who makes a, a, a med device specifically for women's hearts because the cardiac industry 
acquires at such large valuations. And so often, That's right. um, yeah. so whoever makes a med device specifically for a woman's heart is going to be wildly successful and Absolutely. wildly rich. Is Absolutely. that right? Yeah. I, I was, you know, if the question is like, you know, where would I see innovation being necessary? Without a doubt, it is cardiovascular health in women, mm-hmm. um, given that it's the number one killer. And you know, we, we get sort of distracted, not, distracted is not the right word, but we certainly go to, to the places that, that make sense, repro, right? I mean, that's where we go. Um, and we, we repro and weight loss, really, yeah. right? Wow. Um, and so the majority of femtech investments are there right now, yep. which really leaves this, you know, the heart disease space wide open. Yep. I mean, the, you know, I've, I've belonged to some other, um, to some other startup investment groups and, they, you know, they are having a really hard time attracting heart disease startups to even come to their events, mm-hmm. you know, because we are so, um, what's the word, We're, we, are, we are so uh, almost um, glommed around these other, you know, again, I don't say easy ideas, but, you know, more ideas that are sort of right in front um, around, you know, period management and, and, uh, menopause and, and fertility and things like that. Um, when really heart disease is, is where it's at, I think. Well, if women heart does an event and needs a innovator sponsor or partner, count us in. Oh, that's I'm awesome. So bullish about it. That, that's awesome. You know, we cannot have all these episodes about period. Yeah. I don't even yeah. period. <laughs> I am on a birth control that lets me skip it. So like the show wouldn't even be the same, right? <laughs> like, on my woman's experience, but I sure as hell have a heart and a brain exactly. bones that are differently. Um, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. heard in a, a group the other day, somebody asked me, um, about Alzheimer's. They said, Oh, Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. you know, twice as likely to get it as a woman, what femtech companies are addressing Alzheimer's. And I re- I was like, damn, that's a good question. And I thought to myself, um, we don't have enough data yet on how Alzheimer's occurs in women um, versus men for why, why do we have two eyes as much or mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. We just don't know enough about Alzheimer's in women first mm-hmm. even innovate specifically for it. Mm-hmm, so my mm-hmm. question to you there is, do we know enough about heart disease in women in order for us to even create innovations around it? Or are we still at the R and D like research side? You know, it's a really, that is a really, really good question. And I guess it depends on what, where, where in the continuum of like clinical intervention Mm -hmm. to addressing everyday behaviors, you want to kind of stick your claim, right? Because if if we're talking clinical intervention, then obviously that's all about clinical trials and, you know, you'd have to invest heavily in getting that data, right? To to make, to even get to the place of having an idea. Yes. Um, But if we're talking about sort of further downstream, we're talking about prevention, we're talking about lifestyle, we're talking about stress management, we're talking about, you know, getting women's support to say no, that that's that that is much more you know in, in the in the realm of implementation research yeah. which in my which i would argue is the place that that you're going to we're going to see the greatest sort of um boom just yeah. just in the in the in the research space in general um so that that's sort of how i would look at it that um that there there is innovation to be had but it doesn't necessarily have to be clinical or treatment based and probably that Congress should pass more grants to fund women's heart Absolutely. research so Absolutely. that they can publish papers. And so innovators like myself and funders like myself can, 
you know, actually make tools based on that data. Right. Yeah. 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 But I, but I think what, what you, what you are doing is really important and just like helping each other find one another and like yeah. understanding that there is a community out there. That's right. Um, that that's powerful, you know, just, just to know again, that you're not alone um, in, in these efforts. Well, that kind of alludes to my last question. Um, what do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful? I do think that it goes to this idea of everyday behavioral analysis. I mean, we've, we are, the tools are getting so much better in terms of, you know, being able to tell us on, you know, minute by minute and second by second, what we are doing and how we're doing it and how we can do it better. Um, I think the, the application of, of those tools to monitoring our heart health I think I think bring, joining those two up and thinking about you know how that um, equals you know better real time accurate data that can then be presented to your cardiologist to me that that might unlock um, better outcomes for women. Love it. Thank you so much for your time today, Selena. You are amazing. And again, we'll partner with you any day. Thank you so much, Brittany. I I really enjoyed it, and this is a great way to close out a Friday. Thank you for listening to my interview with Selena Gore, CEO of Women Heart. Heart disease is the leading cause of death for women in the United States, killing nearly 300,000 women a year. That's one in five female deaths. For some perspective, the chance of a woman dying from breast cancer is about one in 39, about 43,000 deaths per year. And yet, we hear so much about breast cancer awareness and really not enough about women's heart health. I hope we can all walk away from this episode today with a new respect for women's heart health and the need for more research and awareness. Alrighty, Fam fans, don't forget to get your tickets. March 22nd Summit. Go to femtechsummit.com. Get your early bird tickets now. They're only $35. Also, be sure to join our Femtech Focus virtual community and subscribe to our newsletter at femtechfocus.org. In our virtual community, you can become a FemPro member for only $10 a month and get access to our library of recorded FemTech content and free tickets to FemTech Fundamentals, which is a bi-weekly workshop we put on that helps founders build, launch, and grow. You can get discounts to our summit as well. Did I mention the summit? I mentioned the summit. <laughs> get tickets to the summit. FemTech Focus also has lots of other things like uh, Monday night podcast listening parties, a new Femtech book club, weekly office hours on Clubhouse. There is just so many moving pieces. So you definitely want to become a member on our network and subscribe to our newsletter in order to get all the updates. Also, please consider donating to Femtech Focus. We are a 501c3 nonprofit and rely on your donations to operate. Okay, Fem fans, until next time. Keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.